This week on Report at Home with I'm chatting to UN's Candice and Cynthia about their global roles working on Amex. They very kindly let me pick their brains about what their day-to-day looks like, their past experiences and what they wish they'd known when they were starting out. So Candice, we obviously work together on, on one project, but can you tell me a bit more about the rest of your role and maybe what a typical day in life might look like? Yeah, so I think this is a really different role for me than I've ever done before. It's more focused um, on global uh, strategy and global markets. So I think the biggest change is, you know, working with teams all across the world, um, all different types of ways of approaching business, different cultural nuances. Um, And I think mostly the biggest impact today in the life is managing all the different time zones and deliverables and um, kind of making sure things are are tracking in that way. Um, So yeah, I think a typical day in the life really varies, but I would say for me, Um, I'm actually working on a different time zone than even my own team that's based in New York. So um, it's usually me starting my day much earlier than I would um, if I was sitting there, uh, I don't know, checking emails. And then uh, it's more about getting in touch with the folks in other markets while they're still um, around. For instance, you, Holly, we know that there's a finite window that you and I are both <laughs> working at the same time. So um, I need to make sure I, I get to you before you're out uh, and vice versa. Yeah. So you obviously working remotely before any of this happens, but I imagine lots of people have come to you for advice on how to work well from home. But what did life look like before all of this happened and what does it maybe look like for you now? So I've been working remotely for about a year before COVID began. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I think it's kind of the same growing pains that I experienced initially, Um, you know, always feeling like I needed to be connected or tethered to my computer, my phone and being reachable. Um, I think there's a different pressure uh, to working from home because no one's watching you or seeing that you're working. So it's almost like I felt like I had to overcompensate to make sure that, um, you know, people knew that I was like available and around and I I wanted to be accessible um, at all times. But uh, I think it's, you know, when you think about working in office, no one's sitting at their desk from, you know, nine to five, typing away for the entire day, you're going to meetings, you're going to grab lunch, you're talking to coworkers, there's like a natural rhythm that you don't organically have when you're working from home. So I think for me, pre COVID, it was retraining myself to, I don't know, give myself a break and kind of understand um, that I also need to adhere to the same flow that everyone else is just because I'm by myself, it shouldn't um, you know, really make a difference. Yeah. But yeah, so Cynthia, you're um, one of the teammates, reference though, he's in a different time zone. So, um, <laughs> um, yes, we're all in different time zones, which is highly entertaining. Um, yeah. But for me, that just means that my day is, has to be flexible. Um, 
to make sure that I am accessible for UK hours, for Australia hours. So it might mean that I have to take a break in the middle of the day because I'll be taking a call late in the evening. Um, but yeah, it's it's all different now during COVID. <laughs> yeah, because I've definitely had emails from you and had to do some songs and realize it's definitely very early in the morning for me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I am not a morning person, so <laughs> that has been a that's been a that's been an adaptation for sure. Yeah. Um, at least there's no there's no commute time. Exactly. Okay, so Cynthia, tell me what you think really makes a strong client relationship. For me, what what I've learned makes a strong client relationship really starts with having to build that trust. There's a sort of reality to any relationship when you're kind of working on a new team, working on a new account with a, with a new client. And that is that they need to get to know you and they need to know that you know your stuff, right? That you are actually an expert in the area. Um, they need to trust that you're going to be honest and transparent with them. So, you know, we sort of have this, this relationship that really needs to turn into a partnership, and in order to do that, you have to know that each of you is going to be honest with each other about challenges, honest with each other about the recommendations you're making and why. Um, and again, that you sort of are an expert in your field, that you are making the best recommendations for their business. And they need to trust that you know their business. You kind of have to learn it almost as well as they do so that you understand what their priorities are, what their challenges are, and how to work through that. Um, if you can build that trust with a client, then the rest comes a lot easier because you can have conversations with them. You can sort of troubleshoot anything they might need and you become a resource for them. And they, they sort of do then treat you like a true partner, which makes everything just flow a lot easier. I think the other thing is you have to be flexible. So within any company that you work for, um, obviously I work a UM and I've worked here for several years across many different clients. Um, as UM, we have a product. We have a way of doing things. We have a way of telling stories. You know, um, what we believe in is, you know, better art, better science, better outcomes. And while that is at the core of everything we do, and, and we have a product that sort of allows us to deliver against that the reality of it is that once you know that, you also have to know how to adapt that. Every client has a different need. Every client has their own way of doing things. And while you want to stay true to your core tenants as a company, you are also in client service. So you need to be able to understand where you can kind of push and pull, where you can kind of adapt things for what the client needs. There's not just one way of doing things or one way of of getting to the end goal um, of that better outcome. And it is very much going to vary not only by vertical, but even by client within that vertical. In my experience, I've worked on now I've worked on MasterCard in the past and I currently work on Amex. They're both financial categories and they're both very different companies. Um, so I think you just have to, you know, have that trust with your client and be flexible to know that you kind of have to listen and understand what their needs are and, and be able to kind of deliver against that. 
yeah, that message of partnership is something that's come through really consistently on all these interviews that I've been doing. So tell me, do you go about things very differently when you're working on international global clients or with international teams? The interesting thing working on a, a global business, similar to Candace, this is a very different role for me. Um, I've always kind of mostly focused on U.S. planning, U.S. businesses, um, and working in a global role, you kind of have to remember that there absolutely is a difference in working with international clients, and that is just a general acknowledgement of culture. Um, mm-hmm. Just like every country has their culture that influences their business culture and how they do things, and the sort of quote unquote American way of doing business for some markets is a bit abrasive um, or sort of aggressive or in other markets, you kind of need a little bit more of that personal touch. Um, There's a little bit more, not leisure to it, but there's an expectation um, that you're going to have that human element before you then get into the business element, so to speak. In other markets, they are much more formal um, and it is more cut and dry. And there is there are different expectations in each country. There are different norms, different levels of, of sort of understanding how to communicate with clients. And in order to deliver across different markets, you need to understand that and be respectful of that and be adaptable to that. Um, right now, I work across UK and Australia mainly. All three of us technically speak the same language, but we don't. (laughs) Um, You know, we speak American English. You speak actual English. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, and then, you know, I have Australia and and there's just different nomenclature, different personalities, different styles. um, And that's just something that you have to know in the same way that you have to be flexible to different categories, different businesses, different clients, as soon as you cross borders, I think that becomes much more heightened. And it's important that you take the time to learn and understand that rather than kind of going in a little bit like a bull in a China shop, if you will. I would say too, Mm -hmm. on that, um, one like kind of fun thing that I've observed is just Business jargon is ridiculous in and of itself, but it's funny to see what the different business jargon is in England. Oh my gosh, like, yes. You know, like what they might say yeah. in AU or even our our teams in Toronto. Like it's just, I don't know. I think it's very entertaining and just the way we all write emails or like sign off on things is just, I don't know. I always laugh when I get a, a funny email from maybe like someone on, on your team, Holly, uh, someone else you work with. Um, I love his email. So it's just, I don't know. It's really funny. I like it. Yeah, no, that is. I love to see it. Okay. So you also mentioned there a couple of different uh, clients that you've worked on before. So tell me about a campaign or a job or a client from your career that's been particularly interesting or unusual or, or I don't know, anecdote worthy. Um, Sure. I, so I have a very long career at this point. Um, and I've, I've actually been lucky in that I've throughout my career had a chance to work on a lot of different 
businesses and, and categories, which was has sort of been fun in and of itself because it never gets boring for sure. Um, and always learning. I think one that was relatively recent um, is I worked on a piece of business that was in the QSR category, so fast food essentially here in the US, um, which was a category that overall was declining. And um, something that we decided to do to kind of tackle that was be very data and analytics heavy. We sort of had to look at things through a new lens, look at the data and and find new solutions, figure out new ways to apply it. Um, And while that's not the most sort of um, sexy, if you will, sometimes when you kind of have your head in a, a whole lot of data and numbers and analytics, the reality of it is it was interesting to kind of tackle an industry in that way and in, in a way that you normally wouldn't, um, where you're kind of looking at foot traffic, you're looking at, you know, how you put plans together for the last couple of years and trying to figure out, is there a new way to look at the numbers to, to sort of maybe come up with a new way of planning for this business? Um, and I think what was interesting to me was I got to work with the analytics team in a much more in-depth way than I had before as they were developing new models that they hadn't really done before, new ways of analyzing the data, got to do that together. And at the end of it, um, getting results for a business and getting results for a client that meant that they actually had consistent growth year over year in a category that was overall declining. Mm -hmm. So getting to kind of see that from the very beginning of figuring out how to tackle the problem with the data, finding new ways to analyze it, working with the analytics team hand in hand to sort of understand how to apply that all the way through to the results of actually seeing that we were driving more transactions, driving more foot traffic. That was really interesting to me. Um, I think another one that was particularly interesting to me, just on a more personal level, is I've always loved movies. I, I, you could argue everybody does, <laughs> and we probably all miss no, them a little bit right do. now. <laughs> I, really I really do. do. I really do. We could do pop culture trivia another day. Um, But I had an opportunity to work on um, theatrical releases for 20th Century Fox. And that for me was super fun, you know, to kind of, you have a different movie every couple of weeks, which keeps it interesting. Um, At the time, I was working in a role that was much more all-encompassing. It was not only media, but also just sort of holistic oversight of how we did promotions for the movie, how we did. PR, um, and each title was different, and you had a different target for every movie, more or less, right? Um, so it was really fun to kind of get to experience that, and obviously, perk you get to see the movie before anybody else does. Um, so that was particularly interesting for me, just because I got to work on something that I personally loved. Whereas the first example was interesting, just because it was a great learning experience for me, and and a way of sort of using our media brands tools in a way that I hadn't gotten to before. And I I think that's something that you hope for. I've been doing this for 16 years now. And you hope, that's the hope, constantly learning, you're constantly evolving. Um, And that keeps it interesting. And that's a great sort of benefit to what we do in that everything is, the media landscape's always changing and there's always something new around the corner that you haven't gotten to do before. Yeah, there is some like amazing experiences in terms of um, 
they're both like sort of having to approach things in a completely new different yeah. way and like you said if you're doing a new film every couple of weeks then yeah you know you, you constantly have yeah. to adapt. It's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. Anyone who works on a on a business like that will tell you. Um, you know, we within the the media brands portfolio, we have Sony, we have Amazon, we have, and those teams work super hard because you're constantly having new campaigns. Yeah. There's you're constantly in planning, um, but it, it can be fun, and that's the upside is you get to kind of you know, in the entertainment category, you're, it's very easy to try the latest thing without having all the numbers and seeing what works because you've constantly got something new to promote. Yeah. Okay, Candice, so back to you. I want to know if there's anything you wish you'd known when you first started out in your career. So I've given this a lot of thought and I think it applies to my own personal life in addition to my professional life. But I think it's just learning how to be um, a better advocate for myself um, in general. So I think starting out, you know, at an entry level, there's this perception that you really have to earn your dues, put in the long hours, like nose to the grindstone. Um, and I think that really perpetuates this feeling, at least for me, that until you really earn your spot or earn what you're doing and prove that you're a value add to the team you're working for, that you don't, you don't deserve, or you don't have a say yet on, you know, what your trajectory should be, or, you know, what team you want to be on, what type of role you want to play on the team. Um, so I think for me, really looking back and, and reflecting on that, the way that I want to work with people um, and, you know, as I lead and, and manage people myself is making sure that everyone feels comfortable voicing and that there isn't this kind of un, unwritten or invisible pressure to make sure that you're have an airtight justification for everything, <laughs> or, you know, you know, every um, calculation in the book before you can answer a question Um and, and kind of give your own POV. So I think that's something I'm definitely working on personally as well. But um, I know just in the past few years professionally, it's something that I've definitely made strides on. Uh, and I wish when I was first starting out that I had had a coach or a mentor who really, you know, would have clarified that for me or, or kind of gave me that push or support um, to feel empowered and, um, you know, just to make sure that I was engaged and included and didn't fully come up with a dissertation on something before <laughs> I was, uh, you know, comfortable to speak. So that's my, my biggest thing that I wish I had known. I think it, it is that sort of feeling that you go through school and you go through, through all of these lessons where you have to take exams and you get graded and you have to have the right answers. But it is interesting that feeling when you go into the workforce that mm -hmm. you realize you don't have to have all the answers. And in reality, it, it would be great if somebody told you when you first walked into the door that they know you don't know anything and that's okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that they're like, when you walk into your first job, the expectation is that you are able to communicate, that you can write an email, that you can manage your time, basic life skills. No one expects you to kind of know everything um, or know anything, really. And that's okay. And and that is something that I think people forget and don't tell their Agreed. teams. 
Candace, to your point yeah. that like it, and it's okay to make mistakes. So if you do say something and it's not perfect or it's not, that's okay. That's part of the learning experience and you should be allowed to do that. Yeah. If you're in a room full of experts, like it's okay to be the dumbest <laughs> person in the room. Yeah. You kind of want to be, you don't want to be the smartest person because that means that then you're not learning. Wise words to finish on. So hopefully if you're a junior person listening, that's a reminder to advocate for yourself at work. And if you're a senior person listening, hopefully that's a reminder to empower your teams and still advocate for them, even if they don't.